What's up, Dreadheads? I'm John. And I'm Joe. And welcome to a brand new episode of Spread the Dread Podcast. This week is episode 61, and we're going to talk about Peter. I'm going to say Curtin. It's got those two, the umlauts yeah. above it, and I don't know if like it's my my Kooten. only ex- Kooten. yeah my only experience is that is fucking Motley Crue, and I don't think they used them right either. <laughs> I so uh, I, I, we're gonna call him Peter Curtin, but remember yeah. he's got them two dots above it, and he is better known as the Vampire of Dusseldorf. I'm gonna say Curtin or K- Dussel's got those in front of him, and he's, he's pronounced like an O. Yeah. So Corton, I, I don't know. Whatever. I'm sounding like the fucking Swedish chef from the Muppets <laughs> yeah, over here, like Peter Curtin, Vampire Dusseldorf. all right a little bit of housekeeping real quick uh last week was episode 60 we talked about dennis nielsen the kindly killer you guys have shown Shown the the fuck fuck out god damn big numbers on that one thank y'all so much as well as big numbers for last week's fright flick fuck mary kill where we talked about infinity pool upcoming fright flick fuck mary kill is going to be for nocebo that's an uh Irish Filipino. I know. Is that not like the weirdest matchup? And I'm Irish and Filipino. <laughs> that is true. You actually have a tattoo of Ireland on one yep. arm and a tattoo of the Philippines yeah. on the other. So yeah, of course Joe recommended we do this movie. <laughs> so check that episode out. A couple of upcoming announcements on the 27th. There's going to be a brand new episode of Talking Dread featuring award-winning actor Bill Oberst Jr. Can't wait for y'all to hear that. And then on the 29th. Uh, Joe and I were invited on for an episode of the Talking Owls podcast. Thank you again, Darwin. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And uh, the episode's called Documenting Depravity, where we talk about the history of snuff, online murder videos, all the fucked up stuff that a really classy podcast like that would only think to bring us on for something like that. So, I know. It kinda, the, the title's kind of fitting to what we do. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it's not a documentary about us at this point. Like, everyone's like, what is that? Like, y'all's life story? Like, y'all's journey so far? Like, you're kind of. Or, like, getting on documenting reality. Something like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and real quick reminder, now, all these links are going to be in the show notes and in uh, the, the notes for on YouTube or whatever. Joe, what's the most dreadful website on the internet? Brotherdreadpodcast.com. That's right. You go there. And DocumentingReality.com. Yeah, DocumentingReality. What is it? Gorgrish? Yeah. There's a few of them out oh, there. Oh, there's some great ones out there. We're the most despicable and dreadful one on the surface web, though, Dreadheads. You guys go there. You're going to find links to all the podcast platforms we're on, as well as our YouTube and BitChute. Uh, links to our merchandise store. Make sure to check that out. And there's also links to our Patreon, patreon.com slash spreadthedreadpodcast. It keeps growing. Uh, so go over there and check out all the different tiers. No matter what, you're going to get access to our Discord. Uh, there's tiers for different shout-outs. Uh, there's a tier that gets you monthly stickers. There's a tier that gets you a monthly shirt. Yep. Um, and these are these are exclusive designs that we are not selling on the store. Nope. I'm not saying they'll never be up there, but as of right now, Joe is making this stuff strictly for the Patreons and everything like that. And uh, so, yeah, make sure to check that out. Anything else you could think of there, Joe? No, my oh, brain's fried. So. I know. Yeah, you had you started your nursing job, and you have you have not been to sleep. No, in a minute now. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Uh, yeah, the twelve-hour shifts, fr- well, the night thir- shifts. Well, technically thirteen hours because I had to stay over because I was giving report to the chain at the change off. So I did thirteen hours each one of those days. So I, I think because <laughs> you're going into your exactly what is the position again? Because everyone knows you're getting a nursing degree. You're going for your LPN. You got one more semester for that. But so what are you? What are you technically classified as? Uh, I'm a nurse extern. So it's kind of like being like a tech or like a CNA. It, every like state. 
nurse's kind of, assistant kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. So nursing assistant. And so, but because I'm an extern, I get to at least shadow and like do extra things that I, a, a normal tech wouldn't. So it's like really great hands-on experience. Right. Now so, speaking, yeah. I want you to, we're going to take just a little bit of time <laughs> real quick because of course, Joe let everybody know. I mean, you, you, you listen to this podcast, Redheads, you know, Joe, Joe's fucking, Joe's grosser than me. I have the foulest mouth. She is the foulest of both of us. She can stomach anything. So you got in there on your first night and it, it went into the fact that you wanted to do wound care. The yeah. smells and stuff don't bother you. The yeah. sights. I mean, she, yeah, I, I'm a poser compared to Dread, everybody, compared to Joe. All right. Dreadheads like I'm, I'm a, I, yeah, I, she's a, she has the strong stomach and appetite for gore that I wish I had. I mean, it's the same reason why I always wanted. I was always drawn to like uh, forensic pathology, is just like death and dying and and kind of like the you grossness sound so of goth. <laughs> We're gonna get a hot topic after we record this. <laughs> get you some new leather pants. <laughs> but it, 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 I don't know. The human gore, like anatomy, has never bothered me any. And yeah, give a couple of examples of some of the things you've seen. Well, though, I can't before, go before into too over. much detail is because there's like HIPAA and everything but um you can't talk you can talk about some of the wounds you treated though right yeah yeah, yeah. that's what I was talking so about so there I, I got to see several uh sacral and remember you're ulcers. talking to the dreadheads I don't understand I was a lot gonna of these explain words. okay I was gonna say because you came in and just rattled stuff to me the first night and I had no idea what the hell you were talking about <laughs> yeah so I got to see actually several uh sacral pressure wounds uh pressure ulcers which is essentially like um a bed sore on your butt and it's just from, you know, laying in one spot too long, having poor nursing care at some point if for that person who wasn't rotating you like every two hours like they should be. Okay. And it creates enough pulse, um, uh, pressure against like a, a bony prominence that it creates that ulceration. It starts eating away at that tissue because it just thins it out until that bone kind of protrudes. And yeah, that it does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, dreadheads. I had to fucking put a, a boner joke in there. <laughs> What was, there was one, though, that was really – some of the ones where you could actually, like, see inside of people because yeah. the wounds had to be – yeah. were they, were they, did the wounds have to be opened that much because of them – the yeah. healing process? Yeah, the so they have to be debrided. Um, what is that? Because you – so what happens is, is like, okay, so you end up with this pressure ulcer. It's backfilled with pus. Essentially, it's padding pus. So that's what your body's trying to do is create a barrier between the skin and that bony prominence. And so what will happen is, is like you'll get necrotic tissue, dying tissue, and pus. And so a doctor will have to go in there on the first time and debride it. And they'll cut away. So it's like all, a scalpel. Yeah. Okay. They'll cut all of that out, clean it out. Um, and then the staging, like I don't know all the um, – uh, parameters for each stage, but you have like up to five stages, mm. uh, depending on what uh, healthcare network you work in. Um, but I actually got to see stage three and stage four um, uh, ulcerations, where you actually get to see like bone, and you can actually kind of. Were, were they on people's asses? Yeah, because uh -huh. I know one. You said you could like you could see the tailbone. Yeah, you could you could see oh. just the tip of, of the like just the, the, the tip, just the tip, <laughs> the bony protrusions. Yeah, it mm, just this looks... is a sexy job. <laughs> You have. <laughs> well, it's it was like all dark red. You, you, you could see some like darker spots where there was like a little bit more um, circulation of blood. So it was like um, like a, a much deeper maroon red. And then you could see like this little white tick down into it. And I, I knew that was part of the sacral bone, the tailbone. Gotcha. Um, 
and what I could tell is that you could almost see a little bits of like the nerve endings that are right near oh. there. Um, so was that was that wound in the process of healing? Yeah. So it had already been debrided and it actually had been packed. So um, I know one differentiating characteristic I think between I think it's stage two to three or three to four is that you have tunneling. So you look at the surface area and like let's say it's the size of a quarter, but if it goes underneath the skin in any direction, that's considered tunneling. So sometimes they'll have to scrape in behind. Yeah. So it was a fascinating thing. And so everybody, when they realized that I was cool with wounds, they're like, oh, you want to come look at this? Hey, you want to help me with that? And it was like kind of a running joke. But I I enjoyed every fucking second of it. like the Mikey from the live serial commercial. They're just like, hey, that room smells funny. (laughs) And there's like an open ass wound in there. Give it to Joe. Joe loves that shit. And you just shuffle your little five foot four ass down there like, ooh, what's this one? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I'm sure the Dreadheads appreciate a little peek into that and I'm sure that's more education than they've ever gotten from watching (laughs) or listening or watching a single episode of this show but without further ado dreadheads let's kick off episode 61 Peter Curtin the vampire of Dusseldorf so like I'm always one to do I'm gonna toss it over to Joe for the bio and background I look I do like to say because we've been mentioning some names Chris Owen one of the awesome dreadheads uh, that she's actually a patron, and she she reached out. She she loves true crime. She's better at it than us. Yeah, she's uh, she's like she, all into like doing research. Even yeah, on she her just own. loves to do the research yeah. for the fun of it. So she reached out wanting to help us out with uh, and with you're doing a research. Huge fucking help, girl. Absolutely. Thank you so and actually, I, much. we can go ahead and announce this: the next series we've been teasing it. The next series of world's worst parents mm-hmm. is going to start. We're aiming for that to start on episode sixty-five. And that is what we've turned uh, Chris Owen loose on researching for us because she's awesome at it. But so this week's episodes, our notes are still done by Joe. They're not done by me. The numbers have went up since I let the ladies start handling these notes. And uh, that's that's just not going to change until we have a, a non-toxic dip. masculinity. Thank you. I don't no. give a fuck. There is nothing more manly than being like, she can do it. I'm going to sit. <laughs> That's my kind of equality right there. So Joe, kick us off on the biography, bio, background. Get Let us, help us get to know Peter Curtin, the vampire of Dusseldorf. Absolutely. So Peter Curtin was actually born May 26, 1883 in Mulheim am Rhein, a borough of Cologne, Germany. That is a powerful name. You know, <laughs> Nazis flourished there. That, like, that, that was probably like the first city that was just like, you. yes, we agree. It reminds me of a Rammstein lyric it somewhere does. in there. Old high memory. I love Rammstein. He actually grew up in extreme poverty as the eldest of 13 siblings. So his parents like to fuck. But that sounds like the kind of city where, like, all you got a chance to do is farm and fuck, and some and people probably commingled them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, tons of drinking. Yeah, no one's drinking. ever sober there. No. no. Now, um, on top of that, I mean, with growing up, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, parents were abusive alcoholics and they drank and fucked and did not care about these kids. Um, the father frequently beat the kids and his wife and he would even order all of them to watch him fuck their mother. Yikes. Yes, extreme control. <laughs> As yeah. we say, warning, warning, <laughs> danger. Yeah, You're right. making a serial killer. <laughs> Stop, change your ways, find Jesus, do something. <laughs> um, so he would award all the kids to watch 
watch and which wasn't that unique technically since they did live in a one bedroom apartment. You know, I always wondered that back in the day. Right. Because you know, we, we have like a 2,400 square foot house. Right yeah. now, Zuzu, she stays in our yeah, room. Yeah, she cohabitates and, with and, us. Yeah. And all that. I, like, we, if if we're in the middle of it and she starts cooing, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like. It's like, it's done. Yeah, it's yeah, over yeah. with. Dried you up. Go, you soft. go dry I as a fucking know. desert. My yeah. penis basically goes back inside of itself. Because switching to parent mode. Right. I but, think but, that is a sign that we're good parents. <laughs> probably. But, you know, back in the day, like, even if you were. You I know. know. You only had a couple of rooms. Yeah. And so I sit there and think about, and like, oh. And that's why I always wonder, how the fuck did y'all get it on and bro. have, like, 15 goddamn kids and not even a bedroom place. Like, it's just a room right. with a kitchen in like three beds yeah like kids I don't were sleeping I, on the yeah, fucking floor I bet they didn't even hang up like courtesy curtains or anything around that bed so i mean like you heard the bed squeak like you rolled over yeah i always wonder that because it'd be like yeah there's 12 kids we live in four, uh, 450 square foot uh <laughs> the kids basically you know we got one bed and then you know the oldest they, the eldest lay at the bottom they're basically the youngest is mattresses we just stack them up like fucking <laughs> Yurtle the turtle, <laughs> and then they just keep plowing kids out like with it, like literally like eight feet from them. I know, it's, but uh, <laughs> unlike that, they weren't forcing their kids to watch it, like Peter Curtin's parents it, were. Exactly. Now, obviously, this shouldn't come to a surprise because of his behavior. His father ended up going to jail for eighteen months in eighteen ninety seven. Peter Curtin was like right around four years old, and no, no, his- no he was born in eighty three. So he was almost 14 at this point. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 14 yeah, yeah, years yeah. old. Um, so he uh, was act- his father was actually charged for raping the eldest female sibling who was actually 13 at the time. Jesus. Yeah. So mom finally fucking had enough and she got a divorce, remarried, and then moved the family to Dusseldorf. Oh, Dusseldorf. Well, Dusseldorf. <laughs> Dusseldorf. So in 1888... Uh, kind of still talking about his background and we're jumping around a little bit um fast forward he peter actually tries to drown a friend he's right around five or five fifteen at this point no no he's five he was born in 83 okay there this we was go 88 so yeah this was when he was younger and everything like that so we're, we're getting away from like the parents kind of backstory yeah and, all the, and the, jumping into his yeah, and yeah. So, so yeah so at five years old he tried to drown i've a really got to slow my roll on these beers you're, fi- you're fine you're fine <laughs> um so in 1892 peter uh befriends the dog catcher in his building where they moved at you know into, into dusseldorf and he starts going on runs with him right around the age of nine years old now peter learned to torture you and know kill they're not animals. Watching you like when you're able as oh. a nine year old to befriend the dog catcher and just go hang you out with that them? God, goddamn many kids. Like, how do you keep an eye well, on you, you always had to have extras because back then it, one or two were gonna die malaria so, so, yeah, or TB yeah, 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 or, or some the shit. fever, yeah. as they would call it, because <laughs> the cold just wiped fuckers out. Yeah. Back then. But no, so I mean, like, honestly, if you had 13 kids and all of them lived financially, you weren't ready for that. <laughs> you had 13 and maybe you could budget for about eight of them. Yeah, you needed five of them to die. Yeah. Hopefully they could help with like planting season a couple yeah. of times before they had like a, a weird like fucking ox accident. But or I'll be damned if one of them ended up being like, you know, mentally disabled. That Maybe that was the reason why they would shuffle, shuffle them off to homes. I do. Like, they're like, all right, you can't you can't provide an income, but you're a, you got a healthy appetite. You yeah, need to go somewhere. Twelve other ones I gotta look at after <laughs> over here. Well, so obviously he befriends this guy. He This is where he kind of learns to torture and kill animals from this dog catcher friend. Um, mm. Yeah, so and then obviously to add insult to injury, this new stepdad also likes to be on Peter since he was the eldest. Good Lord. And 
you know, obviously mom can fucking sure pick them, right? right? Yeah, she went from an and asshole this is the biggest to a problem. fucking armpit. This is the problem, though. This is something that we've learned in modern history is that anytime that somebody's gone through some kind of trauma, if you do not pro- process it, you will be attracted to your trauma. So all she's doing yeah, is... she didn't spend a lot of... I mean, honestly, I she mean, she's got all her kids and shit too. I yeah. get it. Going to the next the guy sees, okay, you got this, you got fucking, you got a, <laughs> you got a baker's dozen of children. <laughs> like the first dude that's cool <laughs> with that, you're gonna fucking try your best. Like you, you, you gonna fucking give it up that night to try to lock that. You down. gonna throw it the fuck down. But the odds <laughs> are, again, like you said, like you, you know, then I think you talked about that a lot with psychology is that you do tend to attract your trauma. I mean, mm-hmm. look at us. <laughs> Look at all of you who are listening to us. We've attracted you. Our traumas, are they're, they're, they're the, I don't know which ends of magnet. What, you got to have positive and negative? Whatever. That's what it is right here. <laughs> so, um... He was at one point in time a good student, but his frequent need to run away fucked up his academics eventually. Oh, yeah. Um, these stints would last days, weeks, sometimes even upwards of a month. And he was learning how to survive on the streets during these stints. Now, obviously, crime and violence were quickly adopted to keep himself fed and clothed. Right. And at the age of nine, Dreadheads, he actually he, he claims that he committed his first murder. Uh, so now again, that was right when he's hanging out with the dog catcher and everything. He's he's torturing and killing animals. He's already tried to drown a friend when he was five. So I mean, this is something that's he's learning how to take in control from like situations around his life because out of yeah, because yeah. he's felt out of control from he other wants circumstances. To be dominant now because yes. he's been dominated. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I listen to some of the psych talk we talk. <laughs> it's taken me sixty one episodes, but I'm getting there. <laughs> um, he says that he pushed a school friend. Uh, who couldn't swim off of an actual raft. Um, the, another boy attempted to save the drowning friend, but uh, Curtin held uh, that, that the boy he had pushed, he held his head under, oh, sorry, held both of their heads yeah. under water. Sorry, let me get this right. He tried to rescue, one of the friends tried to rescue yes. the kid that was drowning. Uh-huh. Curtin stopped him from saving that kid, so that kid drowned. Again, this is all by his claims, uh-huh. uh, obviously after he was arrested. The kid that was trying to save that Kurt that was trying to save the kid that was drowning that Curtin got a hold of. Curtin held his head underwater. Yeah. Ultimately, I said the other them one both. was good because he didn't know how to swim. He was already like up shit creek without a paddle. Right. And literally. I, and, right. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and now is this per Curtin or did these kids? I'm well. Again, it's it's the late 1800s. It's, it's tough to verify. So that's what he counted. Like later in life, was that the uh, authorities ruled that these were accidental? Yes, so the authorities we, so just all ruled that he that kept those mouths shut. Claim. Exactly. Okay, but it leads it does lend credence because of if that was what he was already learning was just like this disdain for life. It's eventually he's eventually going to have to ramp it up. We've always seen that. Well, like and, you know, it's it, like you need a little bit more to get excited right, over. Well, it. And this follows the mo because when he was five, he tried to drown a yeah, friend yeah so now he is you know claiming but it would make sense that he successfully was able to drown it, others yeah again by this point he's nine he's already hanging out with the dog catcher he's torturing and killing animals which we know is a awful sign and like joe said it can progress and it would probably progress very quickly in peter Curtin's case because he's already attempted mm-hmm. when he was five to kill someone already and he's been already exposed to so much right so now at a 1896, Curtin gets his first girlfriend. They're both, you know, early teen years, 13-ish. Now, they would would mess around, you know, fondling each other, undressing, but she she refused to have sex with him. 
to relieve his, as you put blue balls in this yeah. note, but I'm not going to say, well, I just did say it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to say it because of where the second half of the sentence goes. I write notes how I talk, y'all. You really do. And I that's, know, that's and I can't fine. help it, so I'll read some and be like, <laughs> To relieve his sexual uh, sexual tension, he uh, he would, he would oh God, he would fuck <laughs> sheep and goats and pigs. Yeah. Yeah. That's... These are, god damn, there's Marinating so them from the inside. Oh, don't <laughs> say it like that. God damn. I'm uh, he quickly learned that he could only get off if he also, like, stabbed the animals to death while he was killing them. So, uh, god damn, this is yep. just getting worse and worse. Uh, he stopped this, according to his own testimony, when he got caught fucking and killing a pig by the farmer that owned the stables. That yeah. is multiple levels of problems right there. Uh, he was also fond of attempting to rape the same sister that his dad had molested, yeah. which would, again, Peter was the eldest. She was the next in line because she was the eldest daughter, daughter. sister mm-hmm. of his. So that would happen as well. Now that takes us to 1897. He's around 14, 15 years old. Uh, he left uh, school to become an, an apprentice molder. Um, uh, it was stated that uh, he uh, w- insisted on drop uh, was insisted to drop out by his father. Yep. Now, is that the biological father or the stepfather? Yeah, Not I, quite sure. No, no, I didn't even put in the notes. It's like it didn't actually specify was a dad or dad or stepdad. Yeah, I would assume at this point because it, they're already in Dusseldorf. It, you don't see the dad rearing back up. He still could be in jail at this point for the. Well, no, he only spent eighteen months in jail for molesting a sister or the attempted rape of a sister. Gotcha. Okay, so there, that's where I'm saying like ah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe know. not or whatever. But, I mean, both of them, his stepdad and his father were pieces of shit, so you could clearly see them telling a 14-year-old boy this. Yep. Um, so it, he, it, uh, it lasted only two years. Yep. Um, and uh, so in, at 1899... Um. What? What only lasted? He only. He, oh, he only lasted in that in that apprenticeship role for roughly about gotcha, two years. Gotcha. I thought about dropping out of school. No, he and was, I thought he went back. So his no. apprenticeship he yeah. lasted until 1899. So he's you know, he's getting a lot. He's getting older. 16, 17 mm-hmm. years old at this point. Uh, Curtin stole all the money he could find in his own house. Yep. So from his siblings, his mother, his stepfather, all that yep. stuff. Uh, he got around 300 marks. No fucking idea if I uh, didn't do the math. Sorry. I was well, lazy yeah, and I think fuck. Germans. Well. Germans now use the euro, I believe. If yeah, not, but you know, there's always use, like calculators. Yeah, I know like francs and stuff like that, but 300 marks, whatever that was, it's probably not that much. Uh, but sorry, he stole that from his actual, his employer uh. and then he ran away. Um, he relocated about 150 kilometers away from Dusseldorf. Uh, now, this time he's in the town of Koblenz mm-hmm. uh, and had a brief relationship with a prostitute that was two years older than him. So around this time, he'd have been like 18, 19 Well, she years would have old. been 18, 19. Oh, this was at, okay, yeah. So yeah, he so was around like 16, 17 exactly. when all this went down. Yeah, so yeah. she's she's almost pushed into 20. Uh, he claims she submitted to every sexual perversion and fantasy that he had. And so that's I'm sure a that big was, old problem. That's that actually was. why they talk a lot about about um, pornography at too young of an age can be really detrimental um, to sexual development to oh, yeah. uh, teenagers because they see so much depravity and they see so many things that fall in line that they can kind of rabbit hole and get into some really deep, dark shit. Just yeah. saying. No, I mean, that, that, that's true. I mean, yeah. it, I'm all for sex work and all that shit, but it is for adults. It's, supposed yeah. to, it's good. Not It's not good. Let your for, brain develop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got plenty of time to, to look at titties and dicks and stuff like that. Like, you're going to spend the majority 
majority of your days looking at that shit. Like, you, you can wait a little bit longer. Uh, Curtin was arrested for breaking and entering uh, only four weeks after he got to Koblenz. Uh, he was jailed for uh, only a month and was released in August 1899, but then went right back in for committing another petty crime. So like I was alluding to earlier about kind of jumping down that rabbit hole, uh, Curtin at this point is starting to kind of want to push his boundaries. And we're going to go kind of into like how he's sexually driven to start committing murder. In November... That's too, That's a deadly combination right Exactly. <laughs> so um, in November of 1899, Curtin claimed to have actually picked up an 18-year-old girl at the Austrob. Alstrob. I don't know how you would say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he convinced her to come home uh, to hi- with him to a local park or garden, and they had sex, and then he strangled her unconscious with his bare hands before leaving her for dead, or so he thought. So, yeah, if you're going to strangle your partner, make sure that you wait there and revive them. Nothing wrong <laughs> with doing what you do. A, you got to have a safety word. There needs to be consent. I yep. don't think that he went through those steps with her. Doesn't sound like it. But... <laughs> Just know we're not shitting on you if that's your thing. Unless you're doing it with a belt by yourself in a hotel room. Guys, that is an embarrassing way to go. Yeah, you're going to have a death erection. And we're probably going to have pictures of you in our Discord at some point. Yes, I promise you the EMTs (laughs) take pictures of every single person that dies like that. And and they are on the fucking internet. I said every forensic uh, investigator is going to like, yep. That's a really small one or that's a really big one. Terrible way to go. Your family has to lie for the rest of their life when talking about your untimely demise. Go ahead, Joe. I know you're fine. Um, So now this was part of uh, Curtin's uh, account. Now, if this attack actually did take place, there was actually no records of it or the victim survived the assault, but didn't report it. Now, Curtin stated that he had proven to himself at this point in time through this experience that the greatest sexual heights of sexual ecstasy could only be achieved in this manner. By that was killing. A, by killing, yes. So and this, he's already demonstrated that with those animals. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, earlier when we were talking about his girlfriend, when he got to, uh, what was it, uh, Koblenz. Yeah. That, you know, that she she submitted to everything for him. But I'm like, well, you're sitting there murking animals. She obviously didn't submit to everything because that's where it's going to fucking lead. Yeah. Clearly. And it, and it clearly did. Again, like you just said, this one was only his recounting. They have no record of it. But everything lines up. Yeah. It doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not like one of those far-fetched claims it, that some of them say, make. It's, like, com- it's completely within, like, right. a, an that, operational both boundary. Of, both of his point. claims of murder so far, like, I'm inclined to believe because they line up perfectly with everything so far. Exactly. So, in early 1900s, um, Curtin was picked up for fraud. And by late 1900, uh, he was actually arrested again for fraud. But this time, the authorities had actually added additional charges. Some of those were charges of stealing from his apprenticeship job, an attempted murder of a girl with a gun. Jesus. And by October 1900, Curtin was actually sentenced to four years in Derendorf prison, and he was released in the summer of 1904. Now, Peter was also drafted into the Imperial German Army and deployed Jesus. to Metz and Lorraine. It's almost like they were just like, oh, he, he, he tried to shoot someone. When's he get out? Yeah. How let, old will he be? Let's give him another gun. Yeah, for real. Like, geez, Louise, Germany. No wonder you started two world wars. It's, Look at your fucking troops. <laughs> now he was set to serve in the 98th Infantry reg- regime, regime. Regiment. I, regiment. Yeah. Why do, why, okay, so how do you, 
Oh, never mind. I'm not going to even get in this. It's it's silly to get in the semantics, especially when you can't see the word. <laughs> oh, so like why is one pronounced regime and the other one is regiment? Yeah. Where they both start with like R-E-G-I. I yeah. Think. Because English is fucking weird. Okay. I mean, that's honestly it. Think about, you know, the, the, if the teacher taught, then did the preacher prot? Yeah. Okay. You know, okay. Why okay. do we drive on a parkway and park in a driveway? It's yeah. Everything's fucked. Yeah, we're fucking idiots. We really, clearly, truly are. Okay, that makes me feel bad. Yeah. No. Go right ahead. Go right All ahead. Right. You're right. <laughs> and you're terrible at the English language. I, but a lot of the little things like that is what fucks me up the most. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just dwell too much on That's it. That's because you have kind of a you kind of have a bilingual brain. Like you don't speak those. You don't speak Spanish or Tagalog or Visaya fluently, mm-hmm. but you can listen to a conversation and pretty much know what's happening. So it's in there. <laughs> and I think that when you're just like, oh, a lot of things go by masculine, feminine. There's this and that. I mean, every language is fucking stupid, really, if you break it down. Like there's just all kind of nuances that make thanks, no Tower sense. Tower of Babylon was that what? Yeah. Was thanks that? Yeah. God didn't want us to build a tower to come up there and see you. Or say hi. A, <laughs> had to be a dickhead about it. And- well, either way, he was supposed to serve, but he soon deserted. And in September of 1904, Curtin began playing with fire. And he enjoyed waiting around and watching firefighters try to put out these fires that he had actually set. It's like he just keeps finding more things. He keeps amping up. He's still trying I to would, push I that would, boundary. I would say if it's between pyromania and bestiality with knives, go start fires. <laughs> Please start fires. (laughs) Now, like I said, he enjoyed waiting around, watching firefighters actually try to put out these fires he set, but they were mostly set in barns and haylofts. Gotcha. Now, by December 31st, 1904, Curtin was actually arrested. He he attempted to have, um, well, he admitted to have committed approximately 24 arsons at this point, and he also freely admitted that these fires had actually been committed for sexual excitement because he had hoped to burn the the people that were sleeping, the homeless people that were actually inside. Uh to death yeah 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 exactly that's what i'm saying again he keeps just fucking pushing those boundaries now as a result of his desertion kurt was actually tried by the military court and and convicted of his desertion in addition to multiple counts of arson robbery and attempted robbery and he was in prison from 1905 to 1913 that's like eight years yeah that's that's not enough. No. I mean, clearly, because we, we we have more to go, Dreadheads, on this fucking show. Clearly, that's not enough. <laughs> no, absolutely. Now, his sentence um, was in Munster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was spent in solitary confinement for consistent insubordination. So he wasn't playing nice even when he got in there. No, he didn't give a fuck. He claimed later to investigators and psychologists, this was when um, he started taking like deeper dives into his own sexual fantasies. And he would often kind of fantasize about lashing out at society and killing masses of people because of how you felt in solitary confinement. Yeah, that's not what you're supposed to be in there for. You shouldn't be in there concocting. But you should be taking everybody, a look like, it's kind of well known that solitary confinement will break people. So they oh, broke him. They broke him. Dude, he was already broken, that's but they broke him the rest outs- of the way. Outside of the showers, that's my most feared place in prison. Yeah. I, and I, for obvious And reasons. I like solitude, but that much forced solitude, I, I would even break under Well, and it. I mean, now I think there's like rules, at least here, like it can only be 23 hours. You know what I'm saying? And oh, like yeah, they, now they get the, the hour yard. out. But I mean, then, even in America back then, I mean, you could probably be in solitary for days. Particularly if you had a toilet and they brought you your food, they weren't really concerned about it. Yeah, I can't quite remember. I think they actually talked about the length of time maybe a little bit later, and I have it in the notes. But I, I think it was a pretty long stint that he was actually in solitary confinement. Ugh. Now, Curtin often compared his thoughts as uh, sort of pleasures from these visions that other people would get from thinking about a naked woman. But he also admitting to, like, Occasional spontaneous, spontane- 
Ah, sp- spontaneously coming over these thoughts. Oh yeah, a little go slow. Yeah, <laughs> those, are, those are always nice when you ain't got to do anything. Yeah. Okay. So this brings us to May twenty fifth, nineteen thirteen. Meditation <laughs> orgasms, man. That's why do only crazy people get those? I mean, to be fair, I don't want to just come in my pants at work from thinking of something a like breathing, that. Breathing, you know, like seven in, seven out. Just yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if I was in prison, that'd be great. Could you imagine <laughs> if you were straight jacketed and could still get your fucking self off? <laughs> Only like, you would think about that. I mean, you got to find silver linings, Joe. <laughs> I'm all about the silver linings. <laughs> so May 25th, 1913 brings us to Christine Klein, oh, age nine. Fuck. Yes, nine years God old. Damn. Curtin was Are actually they all this young. No, 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 okay. no. He, but he's not. He does not discriminate. Oh, <laughs> he's, just, he's like a predator of chance, basically. It, like essentially, when he sees the right, right, right person in the wrong place at the right. It's time. It's almost like an excitatory response gotcha. to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So Curtin was actually robbing her parents' tavern and came across Christine while she was asleep. He strangled her, then slashed her throat twice with a pocket knife, and he actually came from hearing her blood drip onto the fo- floor. Oh my God! Now man. the now oh just we're gonna keep on adding to it. That's not even worse. So the following day, he returned to the tavern across the street from that one, and he re- recollected to investigators that he quote derived an extreme sense of gratification from the general disgust repulsion and outrage end quote that he had actually heard from the locals so hearing all the locals at that tavern discuss his crime like just made him so fucking happy yes yeah made him rock hard sitting there thinking about everything jesus christ now after klein's funeral Curtin would occasionally visit the child's grave to handle the soil covering the top of her grave, and he would spontaneously ejaculate from doing it. God, what a fucking fucked up fuck. All right. July 12th of... No, we just need to move the fuck on. (laughs) July 12th of 1913, which is only about two months later, uh, we have Gertrude Franken, and she was age 17. Uh, Curtin was burglarizing a home in Dusseldorf. Uh, there he strangled Gertrude, ejaculating again at the side of the blood coming from her mouth before leaving the scene undetected. Uh, but Gertrude actually survived this encounter? Yeah, so more than likely she just had trauma to her esophagus and that's what it probably... It cut deep enough probably? It, yeah, from him strangling her, it just caused enough like bruising and trauma to actually Oh, have yeah, it- that, okay, so the blood was coming from her mouth, so, so she, he... I guess ruptured something, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't yeah. collapse the windpipe or no, something. No, uh-uh. got you. Okay, okay. So yeah, so she survived this. Now July fourteenth, two days later, Peter was arrested and charged for several more arsons and burglaries. Uh, for this time, he was sentenced to six years in prison. I, at this point, I don't get. I mean, I guess he's not working, so he's no. he's so he's, no, he's got all this free time to. Catch fucking shit on fire and, you know. Steal it for a living. And, and kill nine-year-olds. Like yeah. I mean, and, 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 but, I mean, gee, like, he's back in. Uh, again, he was completely insubordinate while he was in prison and got two years added on to his sentence. So we got another eight-year stint. He's already done eight years prior. Yep. Um, he served this sentence in the military prison uh, in Bregg, uh, B-R-I-E-G, no idea if I'm saying that right, and was released 
in April of 1921. Yes, so Curtin then relocated 500 kilometers east of Dusseldorf to Altenburg, and he initially lived with one of his younger sisters. That's always great when you're the oldest brother having a shack up on your little sister's couch. You are winning, bro. (laughs) Jesus. Now, through her, he was actually introduced to a woman three years older than him, Auguste Scharf. Auguste Scharf. Oh, Scharf. That is a brutal sounding name. Yes, absolutely. She's going to put fingers in your butt whether you ask for it or not. Probably thumbs. <laughs> Just stick it into your mouth afterwards. That is a bad bitch right there. <laughs> um, she was a, actually a sweet shop, like a candy shop owner. Oh, so she was thick as shit, too. Just putting baking rolling pin handles up there. Oh, Possibly, but she was also a former prostitute who had actually previously been convicted of shooting her fiancé to death. Alright, so everybody make sure next time Trauma you those... attracts trauma. Yeah, but next time you're in one of those cool tourist towns and there's a candy shop and you're like, we haven't seen one of those in forever. That's why. They're ran by fucking psychopaths who put thumbs up their husband's b-holes. <laughs> now, Curtin initially posed as a former prisoner of war, and I, I guess this was for clout or maybe to explain his absences to his sister and it had to get carried over. I mean, he seems like, I mean, he well, he's not a seems. He is a complete piece of shit with nothing of value other than, I mean... He's been in prison for over 18 or 16 years. I think he may have served a little bit of time prior to that, if I'm remembering correctly. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that was what he did to try to explain those long absences rather than tell people he was in jail. You know, I mean, that could be sense, too. So, yeah. That's very plausible. So, 1923, Curtin and Scharf got married. Oh, boy. Um, they regularly engaged in sex, but Peter Lair admitted he could only do it while fantasizing about committing violence. Now, after the wedding night, he engaged in sex with his wife only when she wanted it. With a and- name like that, I'm assuming often. <laughs> she just threw the fuck yeah, down. Auguste Scharf? <laughs> Augusta, Augusti, however, it was got an easy. Give me your stick, I fuck it. (laughs) We will make fuck now. (laughs) Now, for the first time in his life, Curtin actually obtained regular employment. Oh, shit, now she's straightening him out. A little bit, but um, he also becoming an active trades union, like kind of a labor union official. Oh, so he's actually kind of climbing ranks there. I I don't know what the requirements are for that. Yeah, but I mean, if you're some sort of an official, I mean, you don't walk into that job. More than likely, he performed the job and they, you know, kind of i would imagine if it were he just got lucky hell we've known people just get lucky like oh you should not be a branch president yeah or they're just like he's he's dumb he'll be a good patsy let's just do all the fucking fraud in his name and if they ever get caught we'll pin it on him exactly so with the exception of his wife he formed no close friendships and what the fuck you gonna talk about at the pub when those are your interests who the hell's gonna like you yeah and i wouldn't want to get too drunk around anybody just start flapping at the mouth like if i had those kind of secrets yeah i would be really sober (laughs) no i don't need to slip up on any of this so uh 1920 25. Uh, he actually returned with Scharf to Dusseldorf and he soon began affairs with a servant girl named Tidy. Tidy. Um, yeah, T-I-E-D. Tide. Yes. Like the washing detergent, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. And a housemaid named Mech. That's an awesome, sweet name. If Mech. we have any fucking like waifu fucking anime fans out there, they're like, wait, there was a woman named Mech? <laughs> like, is in a Mech? Like the robot outfits. Oh! 
okay, okay, that makes sense. See, Sorry. she's the wrong kind of Asian to have gotten that. Yeah, well. You got to get those Japanese, Chinese Asians, maybe a Vietnamese. <laughs> Filipinos, they know nothing of gigantic robotics and things of that nature. No, we don't. Or I don't. See, I'm a white nerd from America, so I think Mechazords like fucking Power Rangers shit, and I'm like, that's, that's, that's sweet. God. Now, both were frequently subjected to partial strangulation when they would submit to sex. Now, okay, um, now that's making sense. Yeah, so Tide was told by Curtin, uh, quote, that's what love means, end quote. Now, when his wife discovered this... How hard do you think that made him? (laughs) Well, I mean, how fearful were they when he would say that to them? I mean, come on. Oh, she was told by Curtin. I read that backwards. (laughs) I had visual dyslexia right there. I was about to say, holy fuck, which one of us has this dyslexia? Both. (laughs) Clearly. Look at our kids. (laughs) Now, when his wife discovered the affair, uh, Tide reported Curtin to police, and she claimed he had actually seduced her, which is actually a punishable offense at this point in time. Oh, they were woke as fuck right there. You can get fucking like five years in prison for catcalling in the UK right now. Jeez Louise. Yeah, we ain't gonna get into that. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, so Mech alleged Curtin actually had raped her and these charges were dropped. Now, Curtin served six months of an eight-month sentence for seduction, <laughs> for seduction. and threatening behavior. That's I bet it. every Italian and Spanish man that went to Germany ended up in jail. Well, I don't know. Their whole language is seduction. Well, I don't know if that was standard because it was actually on the condition he left D- Dusseldorf. So it could have been a longer sentence, but they're like, man, get the fuck out of here. We're so sick of fucking using like taxpayer money to pick your ass up. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> now he success, uh, successfully did appeal being forced to leave the city though oh so he got to stay yeah he did get to stay after appealing all right so that brings us to february 3rd of 1929 Ooh, this is a cool name apollonia coon that sounds like one of those names that's like a prank call name like when you're like is mike cunts there wasn't apollonia the name of the chick from purple rain uh, well, that was the girl Ch- uh, Prince was married to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the, the character in the movie was Apollonia, but it, that was like his his main boo for quite a minute there. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason that was I think her it's name. like a Greek goddess name as well, too. So, oh, yeah, but yeah, right. but anyway, Apollonia Kuhn, uh, she was elderly. So mm-hmm. she was older than him. We, we, we could not find an exact age on her. Curtin uh, grabbed her by her coat and shouted... No, row, don't scream. Yeah, I don't know. I don't uh, know what that means. But that is a direct slang. quote. Row is an R-O-W. Yes. No idea what that means in German slang back then, but that's what we found. Uh, he dragged her into a nearby undergrowth and stabbed her 24 times with a pair of sharp scissors. Kuhn survived this. So not only is he a fucking degenerate, he's not even a good murderer. <laughs> He's got more surviving yeah. victims at this point. So far, apart from the nine-year-old fucking gross, I, fuck. But every other murder, he's he's admitted that he did. They don't yeah. even have fucking evidence for it at this point. Everyone else has survived him. Yep. Um. So she survived despite the scissors having broken bones. So I mean, he was going deep, going yeah. hard at that thing. Yeah, yeah. Holy. Somehow she survived. That's a that's a badass bitch, especially being elderly, like going through that kind of body trauma. Bro, I'm telling you, an Apollonia Kuhn, K-Umlaut U-H-N, bro, that's a fucking, I wouldn't even, I bet he didn't know her name, he wouldn't have fucked with her. Uh, February 8th of 1929, just five days later, again, I'm starting to feel like there's this pattern where he can't successfully kill a woman, so he Fucking goes after a little girl, and this is Rosa Olinger, also only nine years old. Joe, you take this one. I, 
I don't know if I'm a piece of shit, but God damn it. I just, I, oh. I know it hurts your soul a little it bit. It does. I just want to go in there and hug Zuzu right now. <laughs> now, Curtin strangled her unconscious, then stabbed her in the stomach, temples, genitals, and heart with a pair of scissors. Jesus. He spontaneously ejaculated as he stabbed her. He then manually put his semen in her vagina with his what fingers. The fuck, bro. Yeah. Fucking gross. So Curtin then Ugh. drug her body behind a bush, returned hours later with kerosene, and he again ejaculated while he was watching her body burn Fuck. and her body was discovered the following day. I'm really glad I let you take that. Take the next one too. Oh. Just fucking sh- What a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. God damn. I mean, we, we, we only talk about pieces of shit. I mean, honestly, we do, but... Like, it's when they fuck with kids, man. Like, this, it is, does, this is such a fucked up person where it's like, bro, like they should have took you behind the shed a long time ago and fucking blew your brains out. Yeah. You are an absolute affront to the name of humanity, dude. Yeah. Like, like fucking ugh. Yeah. So and I picked him. I picked this episode. Yeah, this is did. all my fault. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. So February 13th, 1929 brings us to Rudolf Scheer, 45. Curtin stabbed him 25 times in his head, back and eyes. He's amping up his time now too. Yeah. He, did, he, he doesn't he, care he, about sex either. So now we're at a male. And so upon. I mean, does, technically he's getting all the sex he wants from his wife. You know, he would, he would only have sex with her when he wanted it. I know well, it's when the same she time. wanted it. Sorry. Yeah. When she wanted it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think at this point, but it still to... wasn't pushing enough of those boundaries because no. he's already been desensitized by other stuff. So no, when I imagine a chick that runs a candy shop named Augusta Sharf, thick neck. <laughs> you ain't choking that out quite that easy. Like she may gurgle a little bit, but she ain't gonna pass out for you like your mother broads worse. What was that Bayou Strangler? <laughs> Forget his name. Oh my god, a gigantic goddamn neck. Dude, his head, it just went from temple to his fucking shoulders. No neck. It was just a mass of fucking neck. I imagine she looked like him with a wig on. <laughs> now, upon discovery, Curtin returned to the scene to tell false information to the cops. So now he's like kind of tempting fate. It's like the modern day, like, here's I don't, think, I, don't, I think I interrupted you beforehand. Yeah, Rudolph Shear, did you? I don't know if you got to say stabbed him twenty five times in his yeah, head, back, yeah. and eyes. Yeah, oh, I did. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So that brings us like in the vicinity of March to July of nineteen twenty nine. Curtin claimed to have actually strangled four women. One he threw into the Rhine River. Yeah. Now again, he's still he's still kind of keeping pace here, dreadheads, because this is March to July. So we're talking about fourish, fiveish months. But it's just something where they couldn't link up specific names to that timeline or disappearances to that timeline. Line, but that is what he said. Right. And you're talking very early 20s. There is no uh, 1920s. There's no forensic. I mean, people yeah. would just well, disappear. Well, basic forensics. But yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Like, it's real easy for there to be unsolved murders at this time. Yeah. So August 11th, 1929 brings us to Maria Hahn, 19. Um, they had actually arranged a date through an advertisement and she was seeking marriage, which wasn't uncommon back then. And Curtin lured her to a meadow while on a walk to their destination. She was brutally raped strangled then stabbed to death now he buried her body in a cornfield but he returned to the burial site intending to kind of nail her up to a tree to shock the public again wow. kind of how we saw earlier in his in his crime spree he you know he he liked kind of enjoying that shock that that awe of the well, disgusting crimes well, yeah, that he it was a committed way for him to relive it yeah. constantly like yeah when he had killed the, the first nine-year-old in that tavern and then went to the tavern across the street just to listen to people talk about the vileness of his crime yeah so when he he actually returned. Um, he found that her body was actually too decomposed and too heavy to actually crucify. And so three months later, he decides to send an anonymous letter claiming
claiming responsibility and disclosing the burial site. And that's when her body was discovered and it was uh, pulled, uh, exhumed November 15th of 1929. Now, on August 21st, 1929, Curtin stabbed three random people, a girl of age 18, a man age 30, and a woman age 37. So these are unidentified then? Well, they all three survived, but Dusseldorf residents were already kind of freaked out by this point. But yeah, yeah, Heath had three random stabbed victims that all survived. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and they were all, it was done in a spree style too. It was all done in that morning of August 21st. So it's really weird. It's like a, it's just a crime of excitatory passion. It's in an instant. He he has an opportunity and he just fucking goes full-fledged into it. Well, the public discovered, Dreadheads, that the cops had been holding back one detail from all of these attacks and murders and stuff like that. Uh, Whoever the perpetrator was that was doing this was drinking the victim's blood. And because of this, they, that's how he got the nickname of the Vampire of Dusseldorf. So that's what they're seeing in all the papers that are talking about it and linking it back to it. Um, this takes us up to August 25th. So this is barely four days after he attempts to murder three people in the same day, unsuccessfully, mind you. Uh, this time it is Louise Lindzen, age 14, and... God damn it. Gertrude Hamasher, age five. Yeah. So Curtin saw the girls at a fair in Flay. F-L-E-H-E. We got German dreadheads out there. I know I've been talking shit to y'all, but you know I got mad love for y'all. This motherfucker's fucked up and that Nazi shit wasn't cool. But I listen to Rammstein. And so, you know, I'm cool. I drink beer. You know, so you can correct any of these words in the comments below. Um, he sent... <laughs> He sent Louise to buy him cigarettes, which is odd. 14. I guess maybe she could do it back then. I don't know what the laws were there. Now you're like, what? Uh, So he said he sent her to buy him cigarettes, promising to pay her for running the errand for him. So at this point, Peter choke slams uh, five year old Gertrude, grabs her by the throat, and slams her down into the ground and then cuts her throat. He then hides her body in a butterbean patch that was nearby. So then Louise Lindzen returns and Curtin uh, strangles her unconscious before stabbing her. He bit and cut uh, Louise's throat. Oh, my God. To suck blood out of the wound. And it was actually it it was only mentioned like a couple of times that he actually drank enough blood that he made himself throw up. Jesus Christ. So like 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 overindulging like yeah. he, he had drank so much of it's not excited. the idea of doing it. No. But he, he got filled too excited. Himself up. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, fucking gross. Yeah. All right, August 26th, dreadheads, the very next day, Gertrude Schultz, age 27. Now, Schultz was a housemaid that Curtin had proposition for sex. When she said no, he replied, "Quote, well, die then." He stabbed her around the upper body numerous times. However, Schultz survived, but could only give a vague description of what Peter Curtin looked like, which is, that's what I'm getting here is he's got so many survived victims. How is he not at this point? Like crimes of passion is done in a fury. Like they always talk about like um, it's really hard for victims to recount details because they're so enthralled in the moment. They're right. They hadn't met him prior to establish because obviously if you had met him before a couple of times, then suddenly he's the one attacking. You would know then you would be able to give a pretty good description. But yeah, if, if some just random dude. 
I could see that. And there's there's actually, and I, f- I forget the specific name of it, but there's like a type of um, like conditioning therapy, almost like a, um, not like karate, but like a way of defending yourself where they'll always talk about if you meet a stranger, you should immediately look at them and come up with three to five distinguish- distinguishable characteristics about that person in order to protect yourself. But again, really hard if he just immediately comes at you. Exactly. You know, if you've exactly. got a little bit of interaction prior. Mm-hmm. But that's essentially why is because like when you're in the moment, it's hard to recall details. So now we have two more unidentified victims in September of 1929. Jesus. Yeah, one was strangled and the other was stabbed, and Curtin opted for a hammer after these particular victims. Oh, well, that's good. Glad to see he's still growing as a person. (laughs) September 30th, 1929 brings us to Ida Reuter, age 31. She was a servant girl he had met outside of a train station. He, um, He had actually hit her in the head with a hammer before and after he raped her. And she came to at some point and begged to live. Curtin stated that he, quote, gave her other, uh, gave her another hammer blow on the head and misused her, end quote. Oh, God. I can, I can only imagine what misused means in the mind oh, of Peter her. Curtin. Ra- I, I, yes, Joe, I know. I stuck his penis in her. Like. Oh, <laughs> October 11th of 1929. You're outdoing me on this episode. I'm sorry. This weekend at the hospital, seeing all those wounds has, has changed you. I, I know. I'm kind of desensitized. <laughs> and this old Joe, man. No, whatever. October 11th of 1929, Elizabeth Dorier, age 22. Now, Dorier was also a servant girl. Maybe the first time a pattern has kind of emerged, but again, it's only two of them. Um, but Curtin met her outside of a theater. Uh, they had a drink together before getting on a train going to Graffenburg. So this may be the most time he's actually spent with one of his potential victims. Right, yeah. Um so I guess, you know, once they got off, he struck her in the head with a hammer and then raped her as well. Now, she did survive for several hours, but did end up finally dying the following day. Uh, we skip ahead a couple of weeks to October 25th of 1925. And again, we have 29. Sorry, yeah, no, yeah, October 25th of 1929. And we got two unidentified women. Uh, Curtin attacked both of them. Uh, with a hammer until it actually broke. However, both of them survived. Yeah, so I think actually the the murder uh, got kind of like uh, stopped in its tracks when the hammer broke. So they and only survived the handle, because it, it would have been a wooden handle back then and everything like that. So yeah. it's it's not like the actual hammer head or if they had like the unlike see I, i've had i've actually used a hammer where the hammer head came off like and there was no way to put it back so i have no idea well, yeah and, <laughs> i mean it'd been just a shitty cheap hammer that well, my dad bought well, most of them back <laughs> then if you've ever seen things like that uh any kind of like tools like that swinging tools i'm thinking mostly of a pickaxe that i remember when i had growing up it had a wooden handle but now this in the center of the actual head was hollow so like the the wooden part was brought down through through it it and it was too thick it was basically like stuck on it because of how thick the wood was and they took a hammer and tapped it down further and stuff like that but it it could come loose and i remember even seeing my dad like readjust it and and, you know hit the actual head of the pickaxe further down yeah, see, my dad just handle. threw the hammer out because <laughs> it hit him in the foot. Yeah, He's you, like, you've fuck met this hammer. my father. My father does not throw anything away. No, not tools. God no, damn. He has not. tools from like before, uh, like probably he was he, even born. He has a tool graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, November 7th of 1929, Gertrude Alberman. 
I why, got it. Why does it keep happening to me where I end up announcing the young ones? I don't like this. She was five. Over to Joe. Yeah. Uh, Fuck. So Peter lured her to a deserted area and strangled her. And then he stabbed her left temple where she, quote, collapsed to the ground without a sound. End quote. Some, a direct quote from him. Ugh. He then stabbed her 30 more, uh, 34 more times and put her body on display near a factory wall. So he finally did get to put one of his victim's bodies out somewhere in the public for them. Multiple yeah, people yeah, to have it, maybe seen it before. So from from what I could kind of decipher, it, there was like a, a pile of rubble from that factory, or like maybe scraps from that factory, whatever the case is. It was like a trash pile. Right. He didn't crucify her like the one he was hoping no, to do originally. Exactly. No, but he he kind of put her on display. He knew she was going to be found relatively easy, Jesus. and he kind of like displayed her out that way. All right, so Joe, now we get into February through May of 1930, and we have 10 unidentified victims? Yeah, so all 10 were uh, non-fatally hit with a hammer. Oh so my this God. is spree Did he just ever whacking. replace the broken hammer? Because that sounds like broken hammer work right there. Uh, it sounded like if I fixed a hammer. <laughs> like, <laughs> or like, like if I invented my own hammer. <laughs> Like, I'm like, hey, I made this new hammer. It will not do anything. You're not mechanically or it engineering. It just hangs with two M's. It won't do the er part. I'm sorry. I don't mean it. You got to laugh shit. about it. Everybody's on this. Everybody's listening. to the, Well, a lot of people aren't because they listened and went, that's too much. And that's fine. We don't want y'all here anyway. You're not going to you're not gonna fucking like us. And that's fine. But yeah, that sounds like a hammer that you would have engineered, but I now, guess. Unlike the, the, the other times he had survivors, most of these victims were actually able to give a description description of it yeah. so i wonder if it's so they kind got of- kind of got clumped together so they knew that these 10 people were like holy shit they were actually attacked by the same exact fucking person right and again that's I, I, and i'm going to assume like all of them he left them for dead yeah assuming they were yeah. dead caught and i don't mean this in a bad way but he caught a bad luck string yeah and so now suddenly you've got 10 women and between, if if even one of them can give, you know, if or if, if every well, two of the them thing. can give, when a, he goes one, on these sprees, he does not give a shit about sex or age. So when I say ten unidentified people, we have no idea their age or their sex. Right, but I mean it's a period of four months, so he's still yeah. waiting a few weeks, pot- potentially. Again, yeah. it's just assuming uh-huh. he's waiting a couple weeks between all of them. But now he has gotten. I mean, you saw with uh, what was it? Um, who was it? Elizabeth. Donier or Dorier that he met outside of the theater. They went and had a drink. They got a train together. Yeah. So, I mean, he could have been doing stuff like that where he was getting more individualized. Right. So they had yeah. some time to, you know, actually remember something about the way this man looked. And again, if, if even if you got 10 un- unidentified or 10 surviving victims, I may say, yeah. and let's say two of them remember your eyes really well, two of them remember your nose really well, this kind of stuff like that, like between all 10 of them, yeah, because the MO now, is a linkage. Right, yeah. exactly like that. So now, Joe, take us to, we're, we're getting into uh, the back half, the middle and back half of May mm-hmm. um, with uh, with him, Maria Budlick. Yeah. Age 20. Age 20. Yeah. Yeah. So she had actually traveled to Düsseldorf looking for a place to stay and a job. And a man offered to show her a local hostel. And see, again, so it... it I'm now, say, no, hold on. This is a good one. This oh, is actually oh, really let me, interesting. Let me play out before I speak. I don't yeah. want to go... So a man walks up, offers to show her to a local hostel. And Bud, Budlick, even though she was kind of weary, um, you know... It, you know, kind of like it was his, what is his intentions? Why is he even being nice to me? Um, and then she even got more suspicious when he's he a new 
city, so I, you know, yeah, she, yeah, she's like, right to be wary. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, she got even more wary when he tried leading her through a desolate park. Now, they began to argue when another man approached asking if she needed help. Now, this other man, the man she'd walked through the park with, actually walked off at this point. He's like, fuck it, I don't want the confrontation. Now, and Curtin, now, this is interesting. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is where Curtin walks up. He has another victim literally fall into his lap. So he was the one. He seems like the savior at this point. Hey, you need some help, miss, and stuff like that. So now she's kind of like, hey, this guy rescued me from a potential attacker. Yes. Yes. And this is how Kurt. fucking stroke of luck for a a terrible luck for Maria Budlick. Just, I mean, you could not be. This, I mean, this is a good one. Now, this is a good one. Now, wow. listen. So, he invites her to his place, and he tried plying her with, like, you know, food and drinks. And Budlick told Curtin in a nonchalant way that she wouldn't put out. Now, he agreed. I was like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. And he offered to walk her to her hotel. He then veered them through uh, Graffenberg Woods, and he tried strangling her while raping her, but her screams caused him to release his grip, and she just fucking bolted and ran free. Budlick didn't report this to police, but she did write her friend back home about the experience. Now, this wow. gets more interesting. She had actually addressed the letter incorrectly, and it was opened by a post office clerk. The clerk sent the letter after he read it to the Dusseldorf police. So she had gotten an address wrong. Yep. They they were like, hey, this this either this zip code, whatever is in Germany, some this does not exist. This is fucked up. I'm gonna open up the letter, see if, see there's, if there's another address. Yeah, yeah, exactly just, uh, to forward it to. Then they read the account. Wow. Yes. Bro, this is like just chance upon chance upon exactly. chance. That's what's right like, here. I'm getting goosebumps. This I'm is like, like yes. fucking yeah, this is like fucking this is better than any John Grisham novel. Ugh. Any of you fucks have ever written. Hopefully none of our fans have. <laughs> And if you want to defend him in the comments, come at me, bro, broette, either or, neither nor. Nobody writes that many books in a year if they're a good writer. No, it's almost Off like they- my pro- soapbox, no, I go. But I, I almost feel like they probably use like a, I don't know, like some kind of algorithm, like kind of how he's like Nickelback a, he's, does. He's they say like a, Nickelback recycles like all their music. Yeah, they figure out a way, apparently. Christian has like, figured out a way to do it. there is a program, and this could be Urban Legend, and then we'll get right back on it, that you can put your music in, I don't know how you do that. And it can reimagine it by just a few notes, and you can actually write a song, and it'll give you like more songs off of it. James Pat, every Chat GPT that we all are have now. <laughs> James Patterson's had that since the '80s. He was the test run. I guarantee it's been writing. Either that or the there, aliens gave it to him, and then that, that's why we're just now getting. Or it. there is a literary sweatshop in some one of your people's countries in yeah. the Southeast Asian, and they're just shout out Nocebo. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or it's like that thing on South Park where they were like uh, picking on Family Guy that the manatees would just push balls in, and they would make a joke. James Patterson has a big manatee cave somewhere that just gives him topics. I swear to God, every time I walk by Walmart, because there's books near the fucking electronics section was like my haven there there's always another james patterson yeah they're always in the vicinity there. of like nine to like 16 bucks and i'm like god I look damn, for you them turn now, them, now turn i look them for them like i haven't out. seen haven't seen that one before yeah anyway right. go go ahead so so yeah, this, this he, is crazy the so the clerk gives it gives the letter off to the dusseldorf police he, because hey there's a crime in this letter yeah, being committed and, exactly and now of course the newspapers are all talking about the vampire of dusseldorf and all this other if shit it's so, an boom. mo yeah yeah so obviously so the police obviously then and interview Budlick 
because it has a return address. And she recalled part of the reason she was let go was because she actually lied to Curtin that she couldn't remember his address. Yeah, because he had been in her home. Yeah, she had been in his his home. home. Yeah. Yeah. But she led the police right to Curtin's home at 71 Met Manor Straub, so street. Now, Curtin spotted them in the main hallway as the police and her were coming in. She's like, nope, that's his place. She went to, they went to the landlord, clarified everything. So yeah, he left uh, before even being spotted. Dipped now, out, bro. yeah, he dipped out. He dipped out to talk to his wife. He confessed to his wife about raping Budlick and asked her per, uh, permission to re- relocate. And he said with his previous arrest, he'd be looking at 15 plus years. So she, he, she does not know the extent of the crime supposedly at this point in time. He's just like, holy fuck, I raped her. If I go back to jail, you know my history. I am fucked beyond belief. It's just crazy that he went to his wife for permission to flee the city, particularly knowing that if they found, I mean, obviously he may have only assumed this. I'm, assu- I'm assuming he's got some confidence going on, but I would have to imagine that when, when those 10 victims surviving and being able to report some of it, it was all going to link back to in the papers, at least the vampire of Dusseldorf. So clearly he's not keeping up with it because he should have been fucking bounced by I this know. point. You had yeah. 10 unsuccessful murders and they were able to give some form of a description. But you have to understand, that's why I think he always, he he was impulsive and he loved that excitatory response from his own body. I think he was okay with the fact that he was being kind of pursued well, yeah, because he, it he, gave him that excitatory response. Well, yeah, and so well, and, and you're right there. I would imagine he is reading the papers because, again, yeah. he's, he's wanting to talk. It's getting him off exactly. and things like that. So, yeah, you are right. But, I mean, then again, like you could have fucking skipped already like you, i you, know i know i mean good thing he didn't yeah obviously. yeah, yeah. And, and why is that joe yeah so on may 23rd of 1930 curtain finally this is a couple of weeks after he said i just raped her curtain confessed to his wife finally that he was actually the vampire dusseldorf he told her to turn him in for the award money wow yeah like he's like all about fucking his wife i told like, you that candy shop bitch put it on him yeah yeah so he's like you know turn me in get the money and the following day, Augusta actually called the police. So finally, thanks to, you know, fucking Peter, I guess, having a moment of clarity or something. I mean, at this point, the walls are Being closing Being compassionate in. about another human being other than himself and his, you know, him fucking coming to shit. It is really you know? crazy because he's been with her for a while. Mm-hmm. And there's never any instance, at least in the notes you could find, of him being abusive. Or anything like that to her. Okay, so this is why I always go back to like trauma uh, equates trauma. Like what this is why you attract it. More than likely, she came from a traumatic background. She was a prostitute. She killed a, probably a really shitty person that she'd gotten a tra- gotten with, and they kind of saw each in each other. Like, oh, we kind of been victimized. Okay, we're gonna protect each other, and that's probably where there was like a rudimentary, like basic actual love for her because he, they shared some kind of traumatic experience together yeah, or at least the level of like mutual respect from him to her or something like that so yeah so she's and so, for and possibly from her to him because like this is only supposedly he she didn't know maybe she did know and maybe she was just like oh i know how you were uh, you know brought up like i get it as long as you never you know essentially like, oh you protect me but you do this to others yeah i mean we we, we always have to wonder when when it comes to spouses codependent codependency yeah true but we always have to wonder when it comes to these you know to a spouse of a serial killer like how did they not know and and again it's all hindsight 2020 you're not in the relationship things of that nature you know i mean there's so there is all of that but regardless 
Curtin was arrested and confessed to 68 crimes that included nine murders, 31 attempted murders in any field other than this. Had he been that unsuccessful, he would have been fired fucking very quickly. So I guess being self-employed as a serial killer was his only fucking route. And, and 28 rapes. Now, he did blame this on his childhood uh, and felt justified in committing these crimes he was however adamant that he didn't torture any of the kids because that makes it so much better you didn't you didn't you didn't torture them you just kill them and fucking honestly come all over yourself i know and i know and putting fucking putting his semen into that one fucking dead girl's body okay i get all that i get all that but i also kind of get it too to an extent because i'm like i I actually have a lot more issue when kids are subjected to like long amount of torture. That's actually why I'm a big, oh, God damn it. I so much fucking hate uh, the no limits fucking pedo. Like, oh, fucking uh, Jesus yeah. Christ. So, it, so that's that it's the innocence, the prolonged, the prolonged suffering of innocence. So, okay, you didn't torture them. You just snuffed them out and did what you did with their fucking corpses. At least that child was not alive to fucking but the, feel but it. But the whole fact of it is, though, is that when you've got nine successful murders and 31 attempted murders, were they dead when all that shit was done to them? I mean, we're not going to know. He clearly didn't fucking know. Even if they were just fucking unconscious for it and then they got killed, at least or they didn't fucking feel it. I'm uh, just wh- saying. Whatever. He did say that the sight of blood would make him, you know, orgasm. And he did say that if he I did... I love how you just skipped over the fact that I actually said come in my notes. I feel like we've said the word come way too much in this <laughs> podcast, and it's very rare for me to self-censor. <laughs> I, I, I wanted it. to call you out because you've done that numerous times. Where I was I like, s- just say come. I know. Why the, and I'm like over here scouring my brow like, why didn't you just I say understand. come? Well, we have a lot of dreadheads in other countries. <laughs> I don't know if that slang means shit to them. Uh, come. <laughs> yeah, there's no umlauts above the, ooh and, uh, the you and come on any of Joe's notes, so I... I, maybe that's how you do it for those fucking <laughs> European countries. Uh, he did say that if he did uh, come while doing this, he would ap- immediately apologize to the victim and say, quote, that's what love is all about. Ugh. He'd, con- he'd contradict himself during interviews with one Dr. Berg. One minute he would state that he associated sexual gratification with the violence. The next minute he was blaming his incarcerations. Uh, like that, that prison is what did this to yeah. him. I'm having stated it was to stroke back at an oppressive society. Yeah. So yeah, all kind of bullshit. He was he was left and right He's in the center. He's a lunatic exactly. who wasn't fit for fucking living. Whatever. I know. Uh, why is this? psychologist over there asking him to like justify his own fucking crimes i don't of know of course you're gonna I, well, sway I mean, I, well i mean glad they do because we wouldn't have a show but and, oh, yeah. and i get it i get, I get it that, I yeah get i mean there is something to be said i mean it's not yeah. that even though you know someone's crazy you still garner the fact that they're crazy so that information still helps when diagnosing future shit and things of that nature yeah so i get creating it. profiles if i had studies, any yeah. job that would allow me to consistently talk with serial killers and find out this fucked up stuff well, I don't know if I would do it. You would do it. Oh, yeah. I would want you to come home and tell me about it because I'm a pussy. But <laughs> no, so, you're so not. I, well, you know, I would have just want to fucking reach across and strangle yeah, him. Like, I would say- wanna, there's a lot of serial killers I would love to be able to like sit across the table from and talk to. The moment that there's fucking kids involved, I'm out. I can't even put my own fucking shit aside. I know you could, and that's not a that's not a knock at you. You're very psychologically minded. Obviously, you have a bachelor's in psych, so I get it. 
I could not. I could not disassociate myself long enough to You even, don't even have one that we've even covered so far you you would at least be interested in talking about because I have a that number one. fucked around with kids? A- any of them. No, no, I said I would love to. to there's several of them. But the, the, if, if I know that they did any kind of fucking violence shit, especially sexual violence to a kid, I, I'm fucking out. I'm not going to be able to restrain myself across the table. I'm just going to want to fucking do what the justice system is going to drag its ass 20 fucking years to finally do to these people. I still have a number one to this day, and it's oddly weird. It's Pee Wee Gaskins. Like, to this day, like, I, I would imagine he would have been like a Southern Charlie Manson, like, just, just rambling and shit. <laughs> just constantly just like, the Jews made me do it. Like, just- <laughs> So, Dreadheads, officially, Curtin stood trial on April 13th, 1931. Yes. He was charged with nine counts of murder and seven attempted murders. He pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Which I would agree with. But sometimes if you're insane, you still need to get put down. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I love how they're just like, well, he didn't know. Good. If he didn't know that he killed nine people and tried to kill 31, I don't think he's going to know that we're going to fucking kill him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's safe to say he'll be fine. If you ask a lot of questions, just ignore it. I'll do it. If you're going to feel bad about it. Now, that's one thing I would love. I would love to be the motherfucker that strap people like like this into the chair. Yeah. That would be a blast. And get to watch. Right. Because yeah. I think it would be interesting. Those that were cold weren't really worried about what was about to happen to them. And then the ones that were really freaking out, I would just get giddy over. I like, just actually Ha-ha. just want to see the death and like what happens. You would, you morbid bitch. <laughs> All right, go on. Now, this is the interesting part. Um, he actually spent the trial in a shoulder high iron cage <laughs> with his feet shackled inside. That's now, not going to sway a jury at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the interesting part, though. I found this really, really interesting. So, I I'm not sure if this is kind of like Hannibal Lecture style from like the fucking movies, like where he's like in like, you know, full fucking get up. But they actually said it was made to actually protect Curtin from violent family members of his victims. Right. And you would think they would just not bring him in. I mean, like, I, I mean, I think they would do but that a lot now. But you have to stand now. trial for your charges. Well, yeah, true. You don't have any kind of closed circuit TV or anything exactly. like that at that point where you could do that. So fair enough. Yeah. So each time a charge was announced, they actually included Curtin's coordinated confession. So they would say this charge and then they would say this is what Curtin said. Now, Curtin eventually did change his plea to guilty and stated, quote, I have no remorse as to whether recollection of my deeds makes me feel ashamed. I will tell you thinking back to all the details is not at all unpleasant. I rather enjoy it, end quote. What a fucking... Curtin also, I know, Curtin also stated he didn't have a conscience. So when asked why he confessed, this is a direct quote again. Yeah. Why don't you understand that I'm fond of my wife and that I'm still fond of her? I've done my, uh, I've done many wrongs, have been unfaithful over and over again. My wife has never done any wrong. Even when she heard of the many prison sentences I have served, she said, I won't let you down. Otherwise, you'll be lost altogether. I wanted to fix for my wife a carefree old age, end quote. So this plays into why he the reward money and things like that. Exactly. And the possibility that she didn't know he didn't want to further victimize her. And also that, again, trauma attracts fucking trauma. No, I mean, and it is it is. And there's always And when you see yourself in other people, you tend to sympathize with them, even if it's not an exact fucking story, you can 
pick up enough inklings to sympathize with somebody enough and then even in an inhumane person like he is he found humanity in her right. because of a shared trauma and that's what always I find interesting where, where like someone that's this just absolutely despicable diabolical I mean almost like book or movie level like evil you know what i'm saying like something that doesn't seem everybody's got a soft spot right and to to find that for some for another human especially when i mean again they were all women he was attacking they were all over the age spectrum well males too depending on if it was a spree or not like he didn't discriminate in certain periods of his, his crimes did he no that's what i'm saying there's times where he killed men too Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm forgetting that part of the notes because I'm guessing. Oh no, that's right. I remember some of those, yeah. some of the un, the unconfirmed identities and yeah. things of that nature. So yes, yeah. you are right there. But it is just yeah, it's so weird to because you're like it's really easy. And I mean, it is, and it, he is, he is undeserving of being called a human. Tons of people we've talked about on this show is, but it's weird to just find that weird trait of humanity. And again, it's what we've said before. Everybody who's listening to this. Myself included recording this, Joe recording it, all of us are, are 100% capable of being Peter Curtin. We all are. This is a human being. Right? Whether we find it disgusting or not, this is a physical. potential. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This is a physical and, and maybe because we didn't have the upbringing. Some of you out there listening may have had close to this similar upbringing, but you did not lash out at others the way Peter Curtin did. Well, I think also, and I think I may have even said this before on a previous episode, is like there's a point where in your life that you are no longer just a victim and you become a victimizer. You either victimize other people or you allow circumstance to continue victimizing you. And once you've flipped that script and actually start victimizing other people, you, you you find some kind of a shallow response to these like unelicited, well, actually elicited responses towards other people. Yeah. Well, on April 22nd of 1931, Peter Curtin was found guilty of nine counts of murder and seven counts of attempted murder. Uh, Peter displayed no emotion when he heard his sentence of death. Uh, Peter also never attempted an appeal. On July 1st of 1931, see, they got shit done back then. Mm-hmm. He was, what, uh, barely a month yeah. in fucking jail. Curtin ate his last meal. Uh, Christ, how German of a fucking meal. <laughs> I knew he, he was going to say that. That's why I wanted to include it. Jeez Louise. Uh, he ate Wiener Schnitzel, a <laughs> bottle of white wine, and fried potatoes. Uh, he actually asked for and was given a second helping. Now, July 2nd of 1931. Following day. Yeah, following day, 6 a.m., Peter Curtin was beheaded by guillotine at the Klingelpoots prison. That's a cute name. Klingelpoots. <laughs> it's actually a relatively, uh, like, historically well-known prison. I didn't go, like, a deep dive, but it, it it's actually been mentioned through several different stories that kind of link off to different killers and different crimes. So it's it's kind of a well-known prison. It sounds like a whimsical, like, German creature. Like a Hogwarts. Like they're, yeah, like their name for an elf. You know, like, don't leave your shoes out. The Klingelpoots will take them. You know what I'm saying? You know, make sure that your later hosen is guarded. Um, and the, this prison is in Cologne, by the okay. way. Uh, he walked unassisted, uh, you know, with a prison psychiatrist and a priest on either side of him. He asked the psychiatrist, quote, tell me, after my head is chopped off, Will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That would be the pleasure 
to end all pleasures, end quote. But what's interesting is that we actually know that There's you There's a do... dread-filled fact about this. Yes, if you they... follow us on IG and Facebook, yeah. we post weekly a dread-filled fact. And yeah, I forget the exact details. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I yeah, some doctor or whatever, he was doing research. Somebody went to go get beheaded and he kept on like actually calling the person's name and like the there was like facial twitching and ears perking. Like it, it recognized it, I think upwards of like 10 seconds. I might be yeah, incorrect. It was, it was a time. matter of a few seconds that he seen Again, and that it still could, was a reaction. It could have been just you know muscle muscle. Right, you know. they just synced up by chance. But yeah, yeah, still. Uh, but hearing is the last sense to go when you do die. So that is the dreadful fact. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, but of course, they're always asked, "Do you have any final words?" Mm-hmm. Peter Curtin's final word was "No," with a smile on his face. Peter Curtin's head was uh, bisected and was preserved. His brain was removed and forensically analyzed. I'm sure back then they were using phrenology, so it was completely useless. <laughs> and whatever if you don't know what bisected means, it means it was cut into two different left and right hemispheres. Right, right. Uh, his brain had no abnormalities that they could detect, and uh, his autopsy of his body only revealed an enlarged thymus gland. Where is that at? I don't know. Okay, I didn't but, look but, it but, up. I just threw it in there. I was like, so okay, basically, that's interesting. Yeah, so basically what they're saying, I mean, obviously, you know, there was no physical trauma to go along. We didn't have any reports. So some of them, you know, we have reports of like head trauma, physical uh-huh. trauma. Or there's sometimes even just brain abnormalities in general, yes. or maybe even a tumor. You know, yes. like we, we've seen like where per- people's personalities completely change because of, of a brain tumor. Yeah, there was none of that. Right. Um. So just a little bit of backstory too about, you know, the police, because obviously we're thinking, you know, we, we give them some slack because of the time period this took place in. They, they don't have anywhere near the modern tools that, that we have now. Um, and you may sit there and think, like, all these crimes taking place. Well, the, the police were actually working pretty hard while all this was going on. Yeah. They received uh, over 13,000 letters from the public. They interviewed over 9,000 people. The police uh, went through 2,650 plus clues and tips, and they actually compiled a list of close to a million different people that they considered to be suspects while they were trying to track down Peter Curtin. The vampire of Dusseldorf. Yeah. Is that not astonishing? I mean, that's crazy hard police work for back yeah, there. Yeah, I'm just like, goddamn, fucking Germans. Like, they're just so fucking organized. Efficient as fuck. <laughs> no matter if it's good or bad, yeah. I'm going to leave that there and <laughs> not go further. I was going to say, though, don't go any further. But I, I found that so fucking interesting for that, that time period. Like, they systematically went through all of that trying to investigate his crimes and still couldn't peg him until his wife actually, you know, turned and that him letter, in. That, that letter, that one happened letter, chance. It, yeah. You know, and, and and then it all came tumbling down. They, I mean, they still didn't find. Who knows how long it would have went on without that letter? Mm. So we're very lucky, and a lot of people who were, you know, well, they're probably not alive now. Yeah. But because uh, it was almost a hundred years ago, yeah. But some of y'all are kicking around Dusseldorf right now, and you might not have made it out of your daddy's ball sack had that letter not been addressed wrong, and ultimately led to the capture, arrest, and trial and execution of Peter Curtin. So, Dreadheads, that wraps up episode 61 about Peter Curtin. I am, I, I mean, I know y'all probably enjoyed it. I am very upset that I picked this fucker. I'm sad that he was my pick. I'm really upset that Joe did such a good job finding all these great details about him. This has been an awful episode for me, Joe, and uh, one of my least favorite ones, honestly. It's definitely at least in the top 10 of wow. my least favorite people I've talked about because this fucker 
sucks. <laughs> it's the kids. And that's not a vampire it's pun, Dreadheads. I know, I know. It's the kids thing, man. Like, that's why Peter Scully, and I, I think with Peter Scully, for me, it's like not just the kids, but it's like, oh, he's, he's, it's my mom's disp- country, like, like taking advantage, like a third world country, like really needing the money and like fucking over its people. Yeah, him and Junko are to- in my top three for sure, yeah. which oddly enough, they're like in our top three, like most successful. Yeah, they ones. really are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that wraps that up. Again, thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget episode 60, Dennis Nielsen, the Kindly Killer, is out now along with the most recent Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill, about Infinity Pool. Uh, depending on what time you're listening to this, uh, the, the Fright Flick after this episode is going to be about Nocebo on the 27th of March. is going to be a Talking Dread with Bill O'Burst Jr. And again, Joe and I will have a guest appearance on the Talking Owls podcast talking about documenting depravity, the history of snuff and online murder videos. And that is going to be on the 29th of March. Uh, Joe, real quick. Most dreadful website is spreadthedreadpodcast.com. That's right. You're going to find links to everything we do there uh, podcast platforms, YouTube, BitChute, uh, IG, Facebook, our store, and our Patreon. All of the links will be in the show notes below. Make sure you definitely check out that Patreon and definitely check out the store. The one thing I forgot to mention about the Patreon earlier is that there is going to start being one exclusive monthly show. We're not taking any shows away, we've been doing. Rather, we're teaming up with our with our bosom buddies over at Criminal <laughs> AF Podcast. Our brothers from another mother. <laughs> absolutely. And for their patrons and ours, uh, there's going to be an episode dreadful as fuck where we're going to hang out for a little bit, talk about some fucked up stuff. We're just a drink and talk. Just yeah, drink basically talk. just drink Shoot and the talk. Shit. It's, yeah, it's going to be a chance for y'all to kind of get to know us. Of course, we're going to cover some fucked up stuff because yeah. those guys are fucked up. We're, we're casually fucked up. Fucked up so absolutely. Yeah, so we're going to have a, we're going to have a great time with that. So again, if you're a Patreon member. For them or us, you're going to get access to that. Speaking of Patreon, let's do the shout-outs, Joe. Sophomore Dreadhead shout-out goes to Phantom, Atropos, and Brandon I. I don't think Brandon I's on the Discord yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, so no. uh, Brandon I, whatever gender you identify as, I don't want to fucking mislabel you at this point. It's 2023. They'll have my fucking head. Uh, make sure you reach out to us on IG or Facebook uh, if you want to join the uh, the Discord. If you don't, we completely fucking understand. Uh, junior Dreadheads, KC Judkins, Chris Owen, Greg Barry and Sim Comics and Senior Dreadhead Christopher Rawlings. Thank you guys and girls and either ors, neither nors for all of your support with the Dread. If you want to get on a shout out, go check us out. Patreon.com slash spread the Dread podcast. And if you're listening on I on a YouTube or BitChute, make sure you give us some likes, comment, subscribe, and share. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure to leave us a five-star review. If you do that and send us a screenshot of that review along with your mailing address, you can send it to uh, our Facebook, our IG, or spreadthedreadpodcast at gmail.com. We will send you out some free five-star super spreader Spread the Dread podcast stickers. Is that everything, Joe? Yeah. All right. It's been almost an hour and a half. Let's (laughs) let the Dreadheads get back to it and close out as we always do by saying, I'm John. And I'm Joe. Now look, it's fucked up out there. Y'all make sure to leave the dread to us. You stay powerful, you stay proud, and you stay positive. And no matter what you're doing while you listen to this or what you're about to go do, be a real fucking dreadhead and get out there and wreck that shit. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here?